Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 221 is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Feeling a little better, been talking about skiing a little bit more. We had a great chat with somebody this afternoon. Yes, we had a, a great conversation that we're going to have as our main topic today, so we think you guys will enjoy that. Dude, I'm, I'm on borrowed time right now. My wife is due any day now with our second baby. Aww. I'm trying to get this podcast out before that happens. See ya. That's to you. Congratulations to you and your wife on your. Thank you. Congratulations to us. Boo to my sleep and my sanity. But you That's, know, you don't need sleep. You got babies to worry about now. All part of the game. Toughens you up. Makes you stronger. So, again, this podcast is out. Next week or two is going to be touch and go, but don't you worry. We have some content that will be posted. We're not going to forget you. You're not going to forget us. You got us. We got you. Togetherness. We're symbiotic relationship. That's right. That's right. Man and machine together as one. So thank you everyone so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out. Skibumpodcast.com. We have a shop there. Skibumpodcast.com. Get some dope gear. Shop. Yes, new t-shirts are up. I'm wearing one of them. I nice. Think I think it's super fresh. It's pretty sweet. Of course I do. I designed it. It's simple. It's elegant. Also, sweatshirts have just been ordered. So if you like this, you like the new sweatshirts. And if you are a fan of our most popular line, which is the skier, like my hat, skier. That, we're going to have sweatshirt versions of that. A little sneak peek. Ooh. Also super dope. So be on the lookout for that. Just in time for the holiday season. How convenient. Uh-huh. Check that out. Thank you to everyone. A few more folks have been hitting us up on PayPal and sending us donations. And we are so grateful to that. So thank it's you. Monetary so love. Much. Dude, it's huge. We're, we're a little bit... I don't know. I don't want to say stupid because we're not stupid. But the whole Patreon thing... like We're, we're lazy. Just it's just with that issue is getting it set up because of what you have to go through to get it set up as not just a person as like a partnership. So yeah, you actually have to get like a bank account and shit, right? There's a whole yeah, thing. So, and the banks have these minimums, which are not really that low. So we're, we're trying to work through that. I, I found a bank for us. By <laughs> this is my buddy. It's called Mario's bank. My buddy dog pound here. He has his bank. <laughs> That's right. Hey app. man, if a credit card can charge like 32% interest, I can loan money out too. They're, they're worse than loan sharks, the credit card companies. It's ridiculous. But yeah, a bunch of people have donated, and thank you so much. We really do appreciate that. It's super cool. That is awesome. We appreciate that so much. We're going to figure out what to do with it. You know, obviously, we want to we want to make this podcast better. We're not just going to go buy, like... We're going to make shirts. Make beer. We're going to do something. We're going to find some other stuff. And, you know, we, we do want to add some more interesting content to the podcast and if travel. get enough money, I think we'll have to have an event teaser for our main topic we were going to have a halfway to winter event at the place oh, but those are plans the plans were, were in the plans. works oh, felt shit. yeah but anyway thank you again and thank if you want to check us out on the socials twitter instagram facebook we are at ski bomb podcast untapped our favorite social media app ski bomb podcast and ski bomb podcast brian we're both on there we're earning badges like crazy Oh, I just yeah. got a playing the field badge, which is so funny. It's 10 different beers in a row. See, I only got five different ones because I don't, I don't post enough. You know what? It makes Looks me like at that too. The, the best thing about that untapped app is that it makes you want to drink more so that you can post more. Yeah. 
remember that I used to use that one app like way back in the, our Mount Snow Sharehouse days, Pintly. Pintly, yeah. I used to use that all the time. Yeah, I was whatever that, happened to that? I don't know. I think Untapped. Well, I think Untapped sort of usurped it. It was like the MySpace to to Facebook, Facebook or TikTok or I don't know whatever anyone's Twat-talk. using now. I wish. I really wish. Twitter. You know I'm not going to say I wish I didn't have to use it because I will tell you. There are some awesome people we've met through these social apps, but it just feels so like forced. Like you got to put out so much stuff every day. And if we had an intern who could just crank out content, that'd be beautiful. Yeah. Even on podcast. We have email. a lot. Um, if you want to apply for that non-paying, but lucrative in the fact that you are in the pre-greatness phase of this podcast. It's lucrative of your heart and goodness. When you are on your deathbed, you don't think about how much money you have in the bank. You think about all the fond memories with good people that you had. We are those people. There's no one who's hung out with us who's like, those guys suck. No one has ever said that. I don't think we've ever had that. I've surveyed every single person I've ever hung out with and no (laughs) one has said that. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty accurate. We're just the kind of people who people enjoy being with. We just get along with people. We do. We're not too into ourselves. We kind of laugh at a lot of stuff. You know, we like to have fun. Oh yeah, it's all about other people. We're not into ourselves. That's the thing. Yeah, we're really not that. We're not like epic douchebags with yachts who run into people's jet skis and not yet the crime. Yes, I love. That's what I aspire to be. I want to. I'm going to text. Oh man, I got to text Steve. See if he gets on. He could tell that story. The douchebag. It's almost too late. Yeah, our our friend Steve had a a. What would you call it? A nautical accident? It would be a drunken nautical accident. Well, not, he wasn't even drunk, I don't think. I think the other guy was drunk. I mean, seven beers on a wave runner is pretty much par for the course at the yeah. Jersey Shore, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, check us out on those socials. Like I said, skibonpodcast at gmail.com if you want to hit us up. Hey, do you guys need stickers? Stickers, so hot right now. Ski season's coming up. Board season's coming up. You want to slap them on your gear. You want to represent? Either DM us on Instagram or send it to that Gmail and we'll send out some stickers to you. Gratis on the house. Happy to spread the love. Also on your favorite podcasting app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, subscribe, rate us. We'd really appreciate it. Did you see? So Rogan moved to Spotify starting September 1st. They're already starting to censor his fucking podcasts. On Spotify? You goddamn believe it? Yeah. I knew that was going to happen. Unbelievable. Mm. And he's not the kind of guy who's going to be like, oh, that's fine. Like, he's actually going to stand up and be like, fuck this. Like, here's your dumb money back. I don't even need this $100 million. Do you know how baller I am? Yeah, but then again, he gets paid by Spotify, and then he has the uncensored version on his Patreon, and it's... Well, I don't think he he wouldn't he wouldn't want to waste his time with that. You never know. You never know. But he that's the thing. He doesn't need he has so many irons in the fire in terms of revenue with yeah. on it and the UFC. And just his podcast was making him at least 10 million bucks a year. That's I mean, crazy. granted, he the studios he builds are insane and you know he's got to pay for all the you know all his whole setup and his gym and his cars and everything. But oh yeah. He flies people in. Bicycle houses occasionally. I mean, we'd love to be those guys. I wish you bought us a podcasting house. That'd be great. Clubhouse. We need a, like a out west Salt Lake City 
podcasting house a you duplex me off somebody like aaron hernandez has his own little hangout house but we can't we don't have our own hangout house. Has nothing right now i know because he he's, dead he's so dead god damn yeah that boy's crazy almost as dead as tom brady oh, oh. oh yeah it's week one we can all talk shit right everybody is it's kind of nice just seeing football back well it was kind of nice until I turned on Monday and all the assholes that are doing predictions and having shit to say, they're just yapping, yapping, yapping. And it's all bullshit on top of bullshit. So that was not fun. What you got to do, you DVR the game. As soon as the game starts, you do a yoga class, you do a Peloton, you do a workout for an hour. Then you start the game and you fast forward through the nonsense. Yeah. And by the time you're finishing your DVR version of the game, it'll be pretty much caught up to the end of it. Hey, you know what? If I have something to do, I'm missing the game and I'm going to be like, I did something that was better for my life than sitting in front of a TV watching the game. A million percent. Those guys, football, don't, care. But, Those guys you know, don't care about you. They got paid. Right? Getting, getting paid, paid, getting paid. Yeah, I watched part of that Giants game, but you know what? I did my yoga class first, I showered, and then I watched the game. Nice. And I'll tell you, I felt so good from that class. And now I'm a very casual football fan. I'm not a guy who's like, we didn't do very good. We need to get a new offensive line. I'm not that guy. I'm a very casual fan, good and bad. I watched the Giants. They sucked. They lost. I said, hey, cool. You know what? I worked out. I took my CBD, allegedly, and I'm going to bed. And I, I won because even though they lost, I still won. Yeah. Well, so what I like, and we haven't done it yet, but now bars opened in Florida and the beach is kind of nice. So I'm like two miles from the beach. So my wife and I will get on the bikes. We'll ride out. We'll go out and basically hit the beach, maybe sit on the beach for a little bit and then go to the beach bars where they have TVs and then start watching a little football. And if we catch the game, the whole game, great. If it's overtime, we you know, stop and make sure we, we watch a little, but it's kind of like we're doing something else while we're watching football, you know? So it's kind of nice. Key. Make yeah. it the, the secondary or the tertiary objective of the yeah. day. Like one of uh, my wife's friends had a party last week. Boom. We're there hanging out. They actually did a temperature check of everybody coming in. It's pretty funny. Rectal um, thermometers, obviously. Rectal, of course. Uh, it's the only true way to get, checked our fucking and, parents they knew they they knew it wasn't accurate well actually you know it's the creepy doctors the creepy doctors back then that's when doctors word meant something and well that's any parent, like, i don't need like, a thermometer whatever the do- <laughs> that's a 99.4 right there <laughs> you feel yeah. fine to me sure think I do. About it. back then your parents whatever the doctor said gospel put it in stone it's the truth yeah now you're like i don't know if i trust this fucking guy I got to say, my mom was classic for that. And, you know, this it, it's kind of a Hispanic t- stereotype, a Puerto Rico stereotype. But, like, anything Spanish in my mind, my mom's mind is, oh, it's better. It's like they, they spoke so well. They did this. I'm like, so you went to a doctor and they did nothing for you. But they spoke Spanish. And you like that, which was great on the comfort level. But were they good a, do- a good doctor? No, they weren't that good. <laughs> like, then why are you going to say this guy's great? Yeah, that's like uh, the Sopranos. Remember when uh, Uncle Junior went to Doctor Kennedy? Oh yeah, like, his name is Doctor John Kennedy. <laughs> I trust Doctor Kennedy. 
it's ridiculous it's it's psychosomatic you know i actually i'm pretty hard on my doctors i'm like you got to make sure that you do the right shit i was actually getting ready to drop my doctor i drop them all the time (laughs) and then she came she redeemed herself by she's had a good conversation with her i was like all right now okay you're you're staying another year it's like a yearly review that's how it should be a contract that's right I'm going to go in there one day, but like, you're fucking fired. Yeah. <laughs> Go loser. You're a terrible doctor. I'm no more ripped and more jacked. That's right. I'm going to pay my $20 copay just to tell you off. You freaking and, hack. And I say good day. I think everybody should do that. Go to your doctor if they suck and just tell them. Fire you your doctor. I'm yeah. firing you. I'm going to somewhere else. I want to see all your pharmaceutical rep payoffs that you're getting. Like, why are you making me take this? I don't need Viagra, bro. I'll show you. I don't need it. That's right. Like, hey, you might want some of this. It's like, hey, how are your joints? The worst is like a dermatologist. Those fuckers will put you on everything. Like, uh, have you ever had a pimple once? You should probably get on this. Like, well, you want more? I, you want less back hair? Here, take this. You uh, want more pube hair? Here, take this. And you, all of a sudden, you got like five, five goddamn prescriptions. You're like, I don't want any of this. I had a good dermatologist in Jersey and she was like, all right, you got, I have a little patch of uh, psoriasis. So she would shoot it up with uh, whatever it is, the anti-inflammatory thing, whatever, everything clear up for, you know, about three months and then it start coming back. She, you know, so I'd schedule to just come in, but she wasn't like, Hey, why don't you take this shit that you got to take every day or this other pill? She was like, no, nah, just coming for the shots. Like it's cool. Here's some cream. I go to this new doctor down here. And right away, they're like, do you want to try this thing? We have a test thing. You can be part of a study. So you get the drug for free. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not going to be your guinea pig. Yeah, like, seriously. So I, I broke it down for him. I'm like, look, this is what I used to be getting. This is what I want to still get. And then if you have any other ointments or topicals, you let me know what you got. But I'm not taking any pill, any fucking long-term shot, anything that stays in my system forever. Like, just give me what I came here for. And that's all I want you to do. Call it a day, right? Dance, monkey, dance. That's what I want. Yeah. But I that's what the that's what these commercials want. They want you to walk in and be like, "Hey, I want this." I saw a commercial for it on TV. For a Zachrothyla fan, yeah. I saw that there was like a butterfly and somebody was going through a park, and I, I don't know feel that way too. I don't know the name of it, but it's the butterfly and park one. Oh, did it have a dog in it or not? Oh, the dog the dog was barking. Yeah, yeah, that's the this other drug. It's so gross that they allow that. But ah, bring yeah, back the cigarette ads. They were sexy, at least. Seriously, right? Joe Camel, Joe Camel, uh, like Bikini Girls with the Marvel Man. Like there's, there's something. Like you look back and it was all crazy old Virginia Slims. Virginia Slims, you've come a long way, baby. Remember <laughs> that was their slogan. Is that the tagline? Oh, nice. That's the tagline. You've come a long way, baby. That's and it was geared time. towards women. And then they had Joe Camel, which there was always, and we didn't even have the internet to have conspiracy theories and whatever, but there was always the rumor that everything, the image always had a penis in it. Joe Camel. Joe Camel looked like a dick pretty much. His he nose. Did, he did look like he, he had a big schlong his for his nose. His nose looked like a dick, yeah. I'm like, how does that make you want to smoke more? I don't, I don't know. Are you putting tiny little penises in your mouth every time you smoke? Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. It was a simpler time. Simpler time. Now they won't, they won't even let you put those little cancer penises in your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, just Google Joe Camel, and uh, if you've it's like never, a big dick. I think we've all seen it, but if you're like super young, check it out. It's so creepy and weird. He does look like a friggin' dick. His whole face. Uh, I don't know. Oh, that's Again, a dick. 
that's a big five. It's like balls and a dick. A million like, percent. Oh my god, it's like it's crazy. It was a simpler time. It's crazy and hilarious because people are like, mm, I think I'm gonna smoke some of those. <laughs> Smooth character. Yeah, so it's like yeah, some broad in the background. That's so impressed with Joe Camel. So impressed that he's smoking. It's oh, shades on. That's fun. I just looked it up in, in like the image search, and uh, there was a you know tobacco advertising. It says Joe Chemo. Uh, <laughs> it's like him. Oh yeah, I see that one. He's <laughs> bald Kimo. and yeah. Oof. But anyway, thank you everyone for listening. We do appreciate it. Mario, let's kick this bad boy off the way we always do. It's time for our pray today. So, uh, I just got a, I received the first of a few months of a gift of my wedding gifts. Actually, I don't even know if my wife's going to enjoy it, but I got it. So I'm going to enjoy it. It's a uh, beer of the month this month. I got my first box and it's like, you give you a case and they give you three of each. So there's four different beers in it and all from the same brewery. And they give you a nice little write up of the, the breweries and stuff like that. And the beers, like it's a whole little there's literature in there. I was like very impressed. But this month they sent me Potosi Brewing Company in Wisconsin. What is it called? Um, Potosi? Potosi. So this one now I went to Beer Advocate and they gave it an 80. But I saw it had a they're saying here Beer Advocate gave it a 94. So I don't know. Now it says 80. So maybe people tried it since and were like, yeah, I don't like it as much as like you know, 94. But anyway, it's a um it's a golden ale. So it's just like a normal drinking ale uh, from Wisconsin, which is a pretty big beer scene. You know, Shamil Samazel, Hassan Pfeffer Incorporated. There are some boozers out in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. So uh, it actually... one of the first places to reopen bars. Remember there was like a big deal when they uh, they started reopening them in Wisconsin and they showed pictures and oh, no yeah. one's distancing. Everyone's hanging out. See, it's a golden ale. It's like a regular drinking Budweiser or something like that. But uh, this is, it's light, but it's got a little sweetness to it. uh, Sweet hoppiness to it. Uh, It's an ale, so it's not very hoppy at all, but it's got like that caramel, caramel sweetness to it. Uh, Very good. Very aily. Aily. I like it. This is, uh, I could see me drinking this, uh, watching football or hanging out like outside. Hot day. Yeah, Potosi from Wisconsin. Nice. So I'll have to try the other ones. They have an IPA in there that I'm looking at, but we'll see. That might be next week. Very nice. <laughs> How about you, Bri? Last week, I talked about my whole ordeal, going up to Treehouse and waiting in line, yeah. finally getting my beers. I have so many Treehouse beers now that I'm going to be drinking Treehouse beers for a while on the podcast. That's not a bad problem to have. You know, I really can't complain. So what I got this week is one of the ones I knew I had to get. I've had this, I think, once before. So I have Treehouse's Wonderful Haze. Oh, purple can. Purple can. 8.2, double IPA. Very delicious. Super tropical. Hazy. You can't really see it. You can probably see a little bit in the mug. Yeah, oh yeah, a little bit of haze. Am I pouring it out? No, not pouring it on the floor, which is good. Not yeah, yet. it's it's hazy, it's tasty. You got a lot of a lot of fruit flavor, orange. It says papaya and fresh peach. Huh. It's super good. Like they put some really cool 
they get really good tropical flavors out of their IPAs up at Treehouse. Nice. And this is one of their best. It's so good. It's so tasty. I love this beer. I was trying to get through the whole podcast just having this one can. I may have to go to the reserves by the time we get to the main topic. But yeah, luckily, we tend to talk a lot. So, you know. Well, the nice thing is we already have the main topic in the can. It's been recorded. We had a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So I don't have to worry about, you know, slurring my speech and being an embarrassment to our guest. So exactly. Yeehaw. We're going to roll. Treehouse. God bless you, people. Hayes. Awesome. Some good stuff. Yeah, this is this is one of their best. One of my favorites. So how would you compare a treehouse to something like a Hill Farmstead? Very different. Still no comparison, right? You know, Hill Farmstead, I don't know what it is. They ha- they, they experiment with a lot of different kinds of beers too. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, everyone in New England, everywhere, everyone everywhere is doing IPAs. Treehouse, I mean, that's their their strength. They yeah. make like, like 10 different really good single and double IPAs, you know, the Julius's, the greens, the haze. Nice. And tree. I mean, Hill Farmstead just does so much different stuff. Yeah. Like their true. stuff is just on the next, the, the pinnacle. They are the, you know, it's tip like, of the spear. Like they're like just Michelin that good. star for beers, right? Perfect example. Yeah. Perfect description. They're just that, that unbelievable. But I wonder if they could get on the mission because Michelin is, they give you the stars for recommendation to stop if you're on the road. Right. So, why wouldn't, well, they might not want to review a brewery because they don't want you to drink and drive. <laughs> yeah, everyone just, just goes there gets hammered. What just a terrible saying. combo. <laughs> Can you imagine having like a nightclub that's like on the Michelin, you got <laughs> five Michelin star, like, you know, a three Michelin star freaking nightclub. They'd be like, what the hell? At 11 o'clock to four in the morning, this is the best place to be. It's like, have you had their dumplings? They're unbelievable. <laughs> that's right. I mean, granted, the guy next to you do, is doing a line of Coke at the bar. But the dumplings out of this world. Dumplings are great. Speaking of awesome, a Canadian rye has been crowned world's best whiskey. What? Top critic Jim Murray's 2021 World Whiskey of the Year. Wow. Best whiskey in the world, at least according to Whiskey Bible author Jim Murray, is Alberta Distilling's Premium Cask Strength Rye. Murray gave the Canadian rye the title of World Whiskey of the Year for his 2021 edition of the Whiskey Bible, which he has published annually since 2003. Alberta Distilling's winning bottle, a first for the distillery, is only the second Canadian whiskey to ever take home Murray's coveted top spot. Crown Royal's Northern Harvest Rye won the award in 2016. It's made with a mixture of malted and unmalted rye and bottled at an eye-twitching 65.1% ABV, which translates to 130.2 proof. Now, I love this. Like, this is just... Like, this guy just decided in 2003, I'm going to start putting out books, call it the Whiskey Bible, and me, I will declare what is the best whiskey. That's what you do. When when nobody's taken over the space, you take it over yourself, Right? <sighs> right. Just tell everyone you're the best and you say it enough, people will believe you. You see the right? cover of his book? That's pretty funny too. Yeah. He's just some like grizzled old, just you could tell like if something's wrong with his dinner, he'll like send it back and complain yes. and post on Yelp about it. 
He looks he like just looks, Sherlock's Holmesy or like, you know, food critic like. I think a forest fend. The forest guy fend. the fend's treasure that was buried. He just looks disheveled and surly. Surly. But he is uh, one of the most well-known and controversial writers in the business, having hmm. proclaimed himself the first full-time whiskey writer in the world and having been the first in the business to produce an annual book-length collection of tasting notes. Dude, believe your own bullshit, make your own title, create your own line, and do it enough, people will, will follow. But look at that whole industry, right? Like, And I know how it is, and it affects me too, but like, there are some people that like you could tell them this, I love this whiskey. Or I love this bourbon, right? This is my favorite. For me, this is like the best thing. But not knowing bourbon or whiskey, they would probably go in, read a book and say, no, this is the top one. Oh, this is delicious. Why do you think it's delicious? Well, it's rated really high and I like the taste of it. Okay, well, do you like the taste of it? Or, you know, why did you really pick it? I'm not that kind of person. So it's, it's interesting to see these. I like the reviews because it tells you a little bit about why they rated it so highly and what it tastes like before you buy it. But I got to try to believe it. You know, Just every year he puts out a book of his <laughs> tasting notes. He's That's like, pretty awesome. I'm going to, I got to figure out a way to pay for my 1200, 1200 bottles of whiskey. I drink a year. <laughs> my alcohol problem. I'll just write some shit down, have someone bind it and put it out and charge 40 bucks for it. And there you go. maybe someone will buy it. You know, people probably get it. They bring it with them while they're tasting and they start reading it at the bar. Uh, he looks from the cover that he would be with a book and a pad writing at the bar. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And definitely one of those fancy notepads, you know, leather bound. Yep. And maybe a fountain pen. He definitely wouldn't be on a MacBook or anything. No, no, no. He's very analog. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that doesn't even have a phone on him. He's sitting at the bar and people call the bar to get to him and they bring that old phone out. They put it on, they're like, phone, phone call for you. That's the guy. <laughs> He's infamous for controversial picks, but within the space, his picks have ranged from profound to irrelevant. <laughs> While the 2016 Northern Harvest Rye pick caused such a demand for the whiskey that it was sold out for months in 2016 and may very well have led to a distillery strike. So this wow. guy, he has some power. So, But I will tell you, when I saw this article, I said, I want to get a bottle of that whiskey. See? Just because some guy says he's an expert, names this particular whiskey as the best, I want to try it. Yeah, I there think you got to try some of them. I get my passport renewed very soon. It expires in two weeks. Uh, not that I can go in, not that I can go to Canada anytime soon, but I'm going to be Not like the ready. government offices are open anyway dude welcome to like three months more waiting <sighs> brutal i'm not going I, anywhere so that's why i want to get it done now i've been trying to get like name changes and a whole bunch of other shit we got to do passport changes and stuff and it's like they're all closed yeah melanie Jeez. went for her uh she's trying to get her global entry which i'm okay. like i was telling her for years and years so she finally decided just before covid okay i'm gonna get it it makes sense you know because uh you know, we travel quite a bit. So she's like, yeah, it makes sense to get it. So she goes to get it. Boom. COVID hits. All the officers are closed right now before COVID she had the earliest appointment she could get before COVID. 
and this is what are we talking March was like November. <laughs> I'm like, ouch, what? So that's because we're not in a, uh, yeah, that's not a huge uh, populous area. So yeah. I told her, I was like, why don't you fly up to Newark and do it there? She's like, it's a good idea. But then she looked up if we do go somewhere, our next trip coming back into the country upon entry, upon re-entry, you can get your interview done then. Really? Boom. So instead of waiting, you just get it done then and all done. So interesting. Very interesting. There's a little loophole, but <laughs> nice. See, we provide you guys with all kinds of interesting little loopholes and nuggets of knowledge you would not get anywhere else. Exactly. Speaking of not having something happen anywhere else. Let's get into the Genjula. This just happened, right? <laughs> In a blessed bit of good news delivered this morning, apparently cannabis is falling from the sky in Tel Aviv. Now, this might be the peace in the Middle East benefit that they are all getting now. Maybe Trump dropped this. What do you think? All I know is this happened actually about two weeks ago. All this ah. weed fell from the sky. Yes. And now all these countries are signing peace deals. There's something to it. I, I think there the conspiracy is real. There might be something to this. So uh, Reuters and local news outlets reported that a drone dropped packets of green leafy material from the airspace over Rabin Square, a prominent gathering spot in the Israeli city on Thursday afternoon. So they're unclear why uh, they were dropped. Um, it's unclear if the plastic packets of weed contained actual marijuana, but the symbolism and purpose was clear. The time has come, said the Green Drone pro-legalization group on its website. Nice. It's a bird? It's a plane? No, it's the Green Drone sending you free cannabis from the skies. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. That is pretty funny, right? So they actually have footage of like, you know, somebody picking it up, uh, picking up the drone and uh, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, I like to, they said that the Tel Aviv police arrested two men who operated the drone in a statement. Law enforcement officials said they suspected the baggies contained quote, a dangerous drug. Well, they're like, that's a curious statement because cannabis is far less dangerous drug than alcohol or tobacco. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, it's, it's crazy just how, again, just like the whiskey guy, you say you're a whiskey expert. People go, oh, he must be a whiskey expert. And it just, you are. the more that spreads, the more concrete that becomes. That's it's just do. like marijuana. Someone said, Drugs are bad. Well, marijuana is a drug. Well, then marijuana is really bad. And that just happened for decades and decades and got just so drilled into so many people's heads. And now when you actually, if you could just be honest about what is and what isn't and what you are and the things you've learned, you could see how not dangerous marijuana is to most people. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's funny. If you think about how anything started, it was just somebody said, yeah, that's who I am. I am a race car driver. Oh, you drive really fast. And you know, yes, I'm a race car driver now. I got a 92 Toyota Corolla, but I'm a goddamn race car driver. That's right. Or, you know, I'm, I'm the best uh, jeweler out there. Do I know how to give me some jewels and I'll put them together and boom, now I'm a jeweler. You know what I mean? Like the first person that did stuff 
they just did it. And they were like, this is who I am. Believe your own bullshit. It's the right. number one key to success. Right? Definitely. We are the premier skiing podcast. So we are. We're the most it. fabulous, one. luxurious, tremendous ski bum podcast Amazing. out there. Huge. We're tremendous. Numbers are huge. Huge. Let's go to ski news. Last week we have a lot of information, a lot of stuff going on with passes. This week, take a not break from much, all that. Not yeah. too much. A couple of ski movie trailers that we were checking out, and we'll put the link in the show notes if you want to check them out. First one is Delay Your Arrival, which is by the folks at Nordica Skis, of which I am a huge fan. They are not a sponsor. They have not sent us skis yet. Ski Bum Podcast at gmail.com if you're interested. I really they should. want to try the new Enforcer 100s because I have the okay. old ones and I love them. This movie, a vague set of plans, the open road, and a quest to explore at a slower pace sent us on a twisting journey through 2020. Hokkaido to BC, powder days, and a global pandemic. Decisions on the fly and no true destination. This is Delay Your Arrival. This is a four-part series, and they're going to have episodes dropping the week beginning next Friday, September 25th. I think that's great that they're doing like episodes. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, a little different than an actual movie movie, but check out the footage. It looks like they had a a really fun time, went to some cool places. They did, you know, Oregon, BC, a couple other places in North America, and then a bunch of spots in Japan. So, Mm. you know, again, more ski porn. It's inspiring. It's awesome. It's beautiful. So maybe we're how far out. we've come with like documentary style stuff, right? We'll, we'll watch the stuff and it, everything used to be just a story or a bad story written and put into a movie. And now it's like, now we're just going to do episodes and show you real shit that's going on. Kind of nice. Much. It's very nice. Cool. Nice. And then the other one is what? Which, which is the other one? So we talked about last week, Warren Miller. They're starting to drop some teasers and uh, photos of their upcoming film future retro. And this past week they showed a little teaser about with, for one of the sessions in the film and it's good old Killington, Vermont. Nice. Where they had. I wonder Kalen if they're going to show the hot tub. Not the time machine. <laughs> no, the one in the, uh, the indoor bar with the bar yeah the indoor hot tub time machine there at the pinnacle one of the greatest bars in the state of vermont (sighs) bizarre yeah but But amazing yeah it's got kalen richardson and killington native jim ryan and they're there at the world cup and you know sadly because of the way everything turned out here with you know covid and the restrictions that the fis has put down there is going to be no event this year and it was you know, such a big event because over 30,000 people visited there for that two day event, Saturday and Sunday, Thanksgiving weekends for the last was it four years, five years, four years. It's just been such a, a big success and such a cool event. So it's unfortunate it's not going to happen, but it's going to be awesome to see it in this year's film, which is dropping in November of 2020. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Almost story, right? Is, yeah. Yeah. Colorado 
Colorado's newest ski resort is opening without any chairlift. So this is Bluebird Backcountry, and they're going to open this winter in a new location after its test season, and it is going to be northwest, four miles northwest to Bear, uh, from where they were to Bear Mountain, and it's on the Continental Divide near Rabbit Ears Pass. So they're just going to basically set up camp, and that's it. You just go there and hike and ski out of there. It says about 30 miles from Steamboat. Now, the one cool thing is they say there's a maximum capacity of 200 guests per day. That is awesome. And they have 1,200 acres of inbound terrain. Wow. And for comparison, A-Basin has 1,400 acres of terrain. So this Hmm. is a legit place. Really good size. Nothing motorized. And they talk about how, you know, COVID has forced traditional ski areas to work out challenges of crowded lift lines, gondolas, and cafeterias. Bluebird backcountry, they they don't have to worry too much about that. They said that, you know, they're going to offer slopeside camping and food options from a food truck. Hmm. Again, not being super greedy, Vale. They're doing things for the skiers. They're doing things in a way that if you were a skier, this is how you'd want it done. Not if you're some asshole from New Jersey flying your family out and happy to drop 5,000 bucks a night at a fancy resort, skiing yeah. maybe one day. And shop the rest of the time. And shopping the rest of the time, buying your stupid ass $90 Veil sweatshirt you to show bought. off to your dumb friends at home. What's the, the one, the Wagner jacket? Wagner jacket, yeah. <laughs> your, drop uh, about your five grand on jacket. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool too. That So they also have... Avalanche Training and Education Center there. What they're doing is they're introducing a mentorship program called Bluebird Plus. And nice. membership offers aspiring backcountry travelers access to Bluebird Backcountry's one, two, and three courses, unlimited clinics, and ski with a mentor days, as well as discounts on AIARE training, guided lessons, and snow safety gear. Wow. Yeah, it's all in one. That's kind of a nice little package. I mean, that's what they do. So it's kind of uh, it's good that they have the lessons to uh, make it safer and, and at least teach people if they need the instruction. This place sounds awesome. Yeah, there's nothing bad about this. It all sounds pretty I, freaking dope. I love everything about this place. They said that they're expecting to open on December 24th and then closing March 28th, 2021. Operations will run five days a week. Thursdays through Mondays and camping will be available weekly Thursday night through Sunday night. It's going to be a bit limited still, but I'm, I'm guessing this might be a trial run for them. And if there's any year to be having a setup like this, this is definitely the year to do it. So the early bird season pass is two ninety nine right now. I mean, that's practically nothing. Yeah. For backcountry access. Yeah. Then again, you, they don't really have to have that much infrastructure in place, which is you know part of what makes this so cool, is that they don't need to have all the you know people working on the lifts and maintaining and putting away the the gondolas every night and you know all exactly. the all the Nothing. maintenance and the cost and the manpower that's required to keep a resort running. They're going to be cutting out what eighty five percent of that. Oh yeah. So it's funny when you go to their site and you look at the um, the terrain map, the I guess what you would normally look at a lift map, 
There's no lifts on it. There's basically just one green line, which is the inbound area. So just ski, whatever. I guess you don't have to have a guide or anything. And then they have, that's 1,200 acres inbound. And then 3,000 acres outside of that with like this big brown line around. And it says guided only. So I guess that's, that's so a little cool. more treacherous, but yeah, it's cool. And they have like the, where the warming hut is, the base area, where the parking is. So it's kind of neat. That looks fantastic. Yeah. It was a great concept. Bluebird backcountry. Yeah. 4,200 acres in total skiable terrain. Avalanche evaluated inbounds 1,200, like you just said, and then guided out of bounds 3,000. Vertical rise 1,245 feet. Base elevation 8,600. Highest elevation 9,845. Number of marked skin tracks seven. Number of runs, choose your own adventure across our three major downhill zones. Longest run, 1.4 miles. All terrain is ungroomed. 15% green, 35% blue, 40% black. for everybody. 10% double black and extreme. Number of lifts, zero. (laughs) You earn your turns at those days. Yeah, they have a mid-station warming hut. Plenty of parking. They have camping. I mean, this just sounds so cool. This is like super rustic. This is a real hardcore skiers mountain. This looks awesome. So this will be cool to see how it how it plays out this year. Another place to uh, put on the list for the season. Bluebird yeah. backcountry. It's kind of weird though. So like when you go to the site, you're like, well, so there's no lodge. So where would I stay? Right. So these are the, the things logistically that you start asking. You gotta, there's an email, you got to reach out to them and they'll talk to you about accommodations or camping there. You know, it would be cool to chat with some of these folks too, maybe for the podcast. Yeah. So perhaps we should reach out. Because they say they, they encourage everybody to camp out in the parking lot. So you basically come in, it's $25 per vehicle uh, per night, no electrical hookups. And there's port john restrooms that are available. It sounds pretty awesome. That's where you have one of those trucks where the back comes out and you get the tent attachment. Cause that was one of the things I used to love about the Xterra is they always used to have on their ads, like, you know, they'd show the, the people camping and it's like, you're sleeping in the bed, but like you leave the, the top open and then that's all area that you use for your own little campsite. So it's kind of, you can enclose it all. I'm like, it's pretty that's cool. Where you have your, uh, your sprinter van decked out. This there you go. For that. Yeah. Right. Yep. So hopefully we can get out there this winter. It's on the list. It's, um, I wrote it down. Yeah. My big list of stuff. So speaking of places to get to on our list, roll into the main topic. And this week we had the pleasure of speaking with Hugh Reynolds, who is the VP of sales and marketing at Big Snow American Dream, which is, as we've talked about in the past, the first indoor North American ski resort located in picturesque Skeest Rutherford, New Jersey. Skeest, Skeest Rutherford. Skeest Rutherford. Which is right across the Route 120 in the parking lot from MetLife Stadium, home of the hapless New York Jets and Giants. Yes. Skiing Mecca that is Hudson County, New Jersey. We had a great conversation with Hugh and he gave us an insight on how things are going at Big Snow, how to get their their reservation system that they have online now. So it was a great chat. 
We think you'll really enjoy it. So check out our interview with Hugh. We are live with a, another very special guest. We have Hugh Reynolds, who is the VP of Marketing and Sales from Big Snow at American Dream in, is it East Rutherford, New Jersey, technically? Yeah, we are in East Rutherford, the Meadowlands Skeast, East Rutherford. Skeast Rutherford. Can we rename yeah. it that? <laughs> oh, I like that. We were thinking, I was thinking like ski caucus, if it was considered ski caucus. I mean, you yeah, know, there's, there's lots of opportunities. Add here. ski in there. Yeah, it'll work. <laughs> yeah, ski, ski so, Strutherford, I like it. Ski Strutherford, right? Ski Strutherford. So Hugh, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Um, now you guys, we were there on opening day, which I was at December 4th or 5th of last uh, year. December 5th was our opening day. Yeah. December 5th. We were there. Has anything happened since then at all? Oh, yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. We operate from December 5th through March 15th. Um, and then, and then we shut down with everyone else, uh, due to, due to the, the global pandemic and coronavirus. Uh, we were able to reopen a couple of weeks ago. So September 1st, the governor gave us the green light to get back to, uh, indoor amusement. And, um, and we opened on that day. So, uh, we're, we're now two weeks back into operating. Congratulations cool. on getting open again. Yeah, That must've been, yeah, uh, Thank a big sigh of relief for you guys, right? Yeah, I mean, we're we're happy to do our part, and uh, you know, at, at that time in March, you know, obviously New York, New Jersey was a hotbed for um, you know for the virus and 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 everything that was going on. So, you know, we're we're happy to shut things down. We had actually made the decision that we were going to shut our facility before the governor mandated that uh, we had to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think at the time any of us thought it was going to be six months before we'd get back to yeah. back to operating. Um, so, yeah, def- definitely glad to uh, be able to bring the team back together and, you know, uh, start uh, start providing a, a paycheck to our team again. So what are the new stipulations that you have to follow? Like, uh, do you have to, like, limit capacity? Like, what are the, the basics for, for anyone listening? Yeah, it's 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 uh, very similar to um, you know everything that all the other businesses are doing. So you know it starts with uh, face coverings and social distancing. Um, you know, increased focus on sanitization, making sure people are uh, washing their hands, making sure they're using hand sanitizer. Uh, we actually require gloves when you're on snow in the dome, so making sure they're wearing their gloves. Um, we are limited uh, in terms of the number of people that we can um, allow in the facility, so we're we're limited by the state to 25% of our fire code capacity, um, which is about 50% of what we were doing prior to. Uh, to closing. So, wow. um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're a little bit limited in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the business side of things. Um, but again, we're happy to do that to help keep everyone safe. And if things keep going the way that they are, we, we imagine, you know, may, maybe by the holidays, we'll be back to, you know, normal operation, but That'd be that, great. That's, up, that's up to the government. Yeah. yeah. That's a scary thought right there. <laughs> Uh, they, they've been very, they've been very kind to us. So I, I have nothing ill, ill to say. You know, I'm sure around the second week of November, things will open up, right? Uh, <laughs> loaded question, loaded comment there, right? <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that, that, that's, uh, that's what some people say. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So before we go any further, I guess we should probably start for 
folks who aren't in the know, you know, Big Snow, how do you describe Big Snow? How to describe Big Snow? Uh, I guess the marketing uh, description would be uh, North America's first and only indoor year round real snow ski and snowboard facility. Um, so, you know, we, we provide our guests with the opportunity to get inside and slide on actual snow, um, you know, that we make, uh, with, with the help of machinery, um, 365 days a year, uh, on social media, I've been noticing people are starting to call it the fridge though. So it's, oh, really? <laughs> it is, uh, you know, it, it is a giant, uh, a giant walk-in freezer, 28 yeah. degrees year round. That's pretty wild. Um, you know, five and a half tons of snow, 160 got, feet of vertical. I got to tell you, the one thing that, hey, that kind of stood out. Hey, Steve. <laughs> hey, one thing yeah. that stood out the most to us, you know, being there that first day was was just what a difference it is. 28 degrees with zero wind versus 28 degrees at the top of, you know, say Killington with, you know, 30 mile an hour winds, 45 mile an hour gusts, wind yeah. chill factor. I mean, it really felt comfortable. Like 28 degrees felt awesome. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like winter when you walk in, especially, um, you know, we, we miss the high heat of the summer. Um, but, but, you know, September 1st, when we opened, I think it was 87 degrees out. So, um, you know, it, it, it shocks the system when, when you walk into winter and and you're you're coming in wearing t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops um but yeah it is it is a drier cold you know they talk about dry heat um there there's a a relatively low humidity in the dome and there's no wind um so all of that makes for a much more comfortable real feel um but it's 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 not it's not spring skiing and and riding you know you're not gonna want to be out there in a t-shirt you definitely want to dress for winter Oh, it definitely was cold when we were there and I was surprised. I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like you could feel that it's, it was, it was pretty, you know, you feel that it's cold, but like Brian said, it's, it's not that wind whipping through you, you know, like, uh, very cool. Definitely yeah, have to bundle up though. <laughs> that helps with the snow quality as well too. Um, so yeah, I think the two things that people are most surprised about when they, when they first enter big snow, um, one is the scale, you know, you, you, in your mind, you know, it's got to be pretty large or, or you're thinking it's going to be pretty large uh, to, to make it worthwhile. Um, but when people first see the slope, I, I think uh, for the most part, they're they're impressed that it's it's bigger than what they imagined. Um, and then once they get on snow, the snow quality is probably the second thing that impresses them most. Um, you know, you think of man-made snow, you think of East Coast, you immediately think of ice. Uh, we, we don't get a lot of ice in the dome because... You know, as I mentioned, we stay 28 degrees uh, round the clock. So we never go through any kind of freeze-thaw cycle, um, which is what creates the ice in the outdoor environment. Um, and that, that relatively low humidity keeps the snowpack really dry. So it's it's a nice, firm, carver, carvable surface. It, it really holds an edge well. It's, it's fun to play on. Um, so the, the quality of snow often impresses people as well. Now, do you have like special technicians that have been trained on the equipment to keep everything cold? I know the snow snow making equipment is probably similar to to you know normal resorts, right? Uh, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. It, it, yeah, it, in some degrees, I mean it's it's the same concepts. You're using um, you're using compressed air 
to create, um, you know, to create pressure to push water through a through a nozzle. If you can get that water in a fine enough mist into cold air, it'll turn to snow. Um, so the the science behind the snowmaking is the same. Um, the system that we have is is unique to uh, to an indoor environment. Um, you know, it's it's a much it's a much lower output system than what you see at at ski areas. So, you know, if you're accustomed to uh, seeing snowmaking in an outdoor environment where you have the big fan guns or, um, you know, some of the machines that they use out outdoors, um, you know, the, those machines are designed to put a lot of snow down in a in a short amount of time. Um, our system is more of a maintenance system. So, you know, to do the initial load in of snow into the dome, it took us over three months to, to put down the snow surface. Wow. Um, oh. We're only making like maybe two to three inches of snow a night. Um, so yeah, that's what everybody forgets. You, you don't have melt. You don't have, you know, the normal melt from being outside. So it's, it's kind of, kind of cool. It keeps everything, uh, everything fresh, right? Yeah. The, the snow gets beaten up a, a bit. Uh, during the day, you know, as, as people are riding on it. So every night we, we come in, we groom, we, t- we take out the bad snow that's deteriorated. And then um, we make snow for a couple of hours each night just to refresh the surface. So, um, you know, we never fully strip, you know, e- even through the, the closure, we, we stripped out maybe the top six inches of the snowpack. Um, but, but we kept the majority of it through the, through the closure and we were continuing to make snow and, and, um, Oh, wow and cycle it because if we were to just let it sit, um, for that long of a period of time, it would have turned into a brick. So, you know, we were, we were continually working the snow, um, you know, throughout the six months that we were closed. So was it necessary to have anybody ski on it to check out the condition of the snow? Cause that would have been <laughs> uh, a great job. Yeah, You know, I, I can't <laughs> confirm nor deny that some turns <laughs> might've been made. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all part of, uh, testing as you exactly <laughs> making sure that- it's safe. Now you said like two to three inches per night. Now, could you, do you guys have the capacity to just say, dude, tomorrow's a powder day. Boom. We're doing like 15 <laughs> inches of snow. If you're the first group in, in the morning. Um, in theory, maybe, um, you know, the, the, there's 12 snowmaking units throughout the, the slope. And, and, you know, if you come in after we finish snowmaking, you'll see a, a pile, you know, a small whale tail under each of those units. And, and, um, you know, we really have to push it out to cover the entire slope. So, you know, with the snowmaking that we have, you know, we couldn't put an even blanket of snow over the entire slope. You know, you, you, you'd, uh, you'd basically have, whale tails running up and down so you know it would be fun but not not really not really a powder day it could be possible in the next upgrade you guys do you know know, technology is always changing that's the beautiful thing and you know who knows who knows what the future holds or how about bump day bump day would be nice right yeah yeah that's kind of the crazy thing too because this facility i mean when it was engineered and designed it was what the early 2000s right 2004 5 around there yeah so you know anyone who's followed the history of the project it's 16 years in the making um so you know the original the original shopping center concept um the the ski slope was the central focal point of it so it was the first thing that they they built um so we were not involved in the design of of the actual slope um and the cold space um if we were probably look a little bit different but um 
you know, it is what it is. We, we inherited that. Um, so yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the infrastructure in the dome is brand new in the sense that it, it was never used before December 5th when we opened, but it was all 10 years old. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. it's a weird, uh, weird step back in time, you know, uh, cause you know, as we talked about technology changes, you know, um, take, take uh, chairlifts, for example, you know, the, the, the aesthetic, the way they look has changed a lot in those 10 years. So you go in there and if, if you're, you know, if you're attuned to those things, you, you can tell it's an older chairlift, but it still had the plastic on all the seats. Right. So it was, it was this very weird, weird scenario. It's amazing that, yeah, it did take this long. And, you know, when that five, that first chair, you know, you guys, when, you know, Lindsey Vaughn and Donna Weinbrecht and they were all in that first chair and you guys are like, this is the first and last first chair ever. And everyone was excited. Like everyone was so fired up. This is finally happening. Cause yeah, this project has been marred with, you know, the, I remember the driving financial Xanadu. Yeah, there was like so many things yeah. involved. We were all so excited that it was finally opening. And then, yeah, March 15th, you know, pandemic hits. And like you said, this stuff, like the technology when this was done was, you know, 15-year-old technology. It's like if you had a 15-year-old cell phone and you're like trying to make a call today, you know, it's, it's yeah. the, the technology. It's, I don't think it's evolved quite as rapidly as, you know, something like a phone, but it's, it's not, it, it's still not exactly what you like you said what you do if you started from scratch last year um but it's it's great that it's finally open what are the besides all the pandemic things aside what have been the uh, the biggest changes you guys have have made from opening day till you know reopening in september yeah um i i will answer that but yeah that that first chair comment certainly came back to bite, <laughs> to bite us <laughs> we f- we fully expected that after december 5th once we opened that that was it you know we were just going to continue to operate round round the clock in perpetuity um we, we didn't expect that we were going to get another first chair opportunity but you know life like life is funny like that life September first right? last yeah. first chair yeah right? yeah exactly. <laughs> right. so we you know we had our second second uh Second last first chair, hopefully. <laughs> Second last. Um, but uh, I, I went off track. What was your what was your original question? Again? No, uh, pandemic things aside, like what has yeah. been the biggest changes you guys have have made from opening day until you know restarting it back in September? Yeah, it's it's um it's been interesting. Um, you know, prior to close. It was holiday. You know, we went right into the holiday period, and um, and the holiday period was was fantastic for us. We were sold out, bell to bell, open the close for ten days straight, which wow. none of us ever wow. expected. And um, the the reception was was really really strong, um, and 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 encouraging. Um, you know, everything we had heard from the other indoor centers that operate around the world, they all told us that our busiest time of year was going to be the the fall and the winter. And, you know, we were definitely seeing that. So, you know, nice. probably until late February, we had really strong visitation. And then, you know, as, as, uh, you know, as awareness of the virus, uh, started to take hold and, and, uh, people got nervous, we, we could see a precipitous drop in, in visitation, um, leading up to the closing eventually. Um, but, 
pre-closing, our uh, our visit our visitor was very different than the visitor we're seeing now. So pre-closing, you know, more than 50% of the guests that we were seeing had never been on skis or snowboard before. So, uh, you know, we were were introducing tons of people to the sport, which is what we thought was going to be our opportunity going into this. And one of the things that excited us most about this project and this opportunity, um, since we've reopened, um, it's been the exact opposite. So we're seeing very, very few beginners um, and much more um, advanced skiers and riders, you know, obviously really strong terrain park um, enthusiast uh, representation. Um, so I'd say, you know, we're probably like 80 percent um, intermediate or, or, or better skiers and riders now since we've reopened. Um, and I imagine that pendulum will start to swing as, um, you know, as, as consumer confidence continues to rise. And as, as we get into colder weather, um, cause as I said, you know, in, in talking with the other, um, the other operators around the world, you know, fall and winter is when you think about doing winter things. So, you know, if, if you've never skied or snowboarded before, probably not thinking about trying it in the middle of a global health crisis and when it's 85 degrees out, right? It's, when you yeah. can go to the beach instead, yeah. When you go to the beach instead, exactly. Right. So Yeah, that was so, one uh, of the things. Very we dramatic was... shift in our visitation. Yeah. Um, somewhat expected, but it, it was, it, I mean, it was so stark because, you know, we've been closed for so long in between. It was like a complete shift of customer. Wow. You guys were actually closed more than you were open, right? We were, yeah. We, we operated for three months, and then we were closed for six months. Oh, it sucks. Wow. <laughs> it was yeah, hard. We always, <laughs> really we always talk for, about for like new, how the business, mountain is... That oh. was pretty rough. Yeah, we always talk about how the mountain is empty until there's snow somewhere. So if there's snow at home, everybody thinks, oh, I want to go skiing, you know? So it kind of fits like what you're saying, you know, people think about the holidays and they think about once the snow hits, they're like, hey, let's go skiing, you know? Yeah. As, as a ski marketer, um, nothing does my job better for me than snow on the ground. Right. So, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, all, all the years at Mountain Creek, um, you know, if, if there was snow on the ground in the market, our visitation was going to be strong. You know, it's those, yeah. those years that we don't get the natural snowfall that, that me and my team have to work that much harder to, uh, to, to, to try and create awareness and excitement to get people out on snow. Nice. So, um, I'm, I'm curious about like, I think I pieced it together, but I I just want to hear your spin, you know, your take on it. Like the relationship that you have with mountain Creek, big snow, mall of America, like what, what is that like? So is it mall of America has the, um, the mall and you guys, uh, run big snow. Is that kind of how it is or yeah, so so American Dream is uh, owned and operated by a, a Canadian company called Triple Five, and Triple Five are the owners and operators of the West Edmonton Mall in Canada, and the Mall of America in Minneapolis. This is their third property, um, and and they're our landlords. So 
my company that I'm partners in snow operating, uh, we have a lease on big snow American dream. So we, we lease that space from triple five as a tenant. Um, and we own the operating business. Uh, we also own and operate mountain Creek here in New Jersey. So we, we, um, you know, we have ownership stake in that business and, and we, um, are the operators of, of mountain Creek. So we have two ski areas, 45 minutes from each other. That's so cool. Uh, They're so close to each other. Yeah. And, and both of them happen to be located in New Jersey, you know, the, the, the ski Mecca of the world. <laughs> yeah. Right. That'd be cool to do both in one day. Do like a warm up at, uh, at big snow and then go up to mountain Creek and ski for the day. Yeah. We, we've already had some guys, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty avid mountain biker. So some of my mountain bike friends have done the, uh, ski in the morning, bike in the evening at mountain Creek. And, um, we had, uh, um, a pro snowboarder come through who's actually down there again this evening, um, who did the trifecta. So he, he surfed the Jersey shore in the morning, (laughs) went skateboarding, uh, in the afternoon. And then he finished his night out at big snow. So he got, you know, all, all three board sports in, in one day. Very nice. Pretty cool that you can do that. Uh, yeah, I I think New Jersey is not the only place, uh, one, one of the few places in the world where you can actually make that happen. You just go to, yeah, Jenkinson's at night and now you got the complete Jersey experience right there. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Catch the nerds or something. Yeah. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Ah, that'd be cool if you had them playing there at big snow. Yeah. 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 We're, you know, we're, we're still getting our feet underneath us. Uh, October 1st, the rest of the shopping center um, will start to come online. So um, the three other amusement parks um, will will open the, the ice skating rink, the um, the water park and the um, and uh, indoor um, amusement park uh, will all open on October 1st. And there's about 100 retailers that are opening then. Um, our neighbors uh, at Big Snow on the on the level above us are, um, you know, a number of bar and restaurant spaces. So um, I'm sure once those come online, there's going to be some great opportunities for collaboration and coordination to bring some bring some cool events to uh, to Big Snow and American Dream. That's there's cool. your opera ski now. Yep, exactly. That yeah. was one of the things that we noted too. We're like, yeah, there's really nowhere. I mean, granted, the mall hadn't been open yet. But we're like, there's nowhere yeah. to go for you opera. Guys are so after. early opening, yeah. Yeah, we we were one of the first attractions to open in the first round. Um, so yeah, we're we're looking forward to being able to uh, finish our our work day and our ski day with a with a nice pint among friends. So <laughs> there you go, right? Nice. So, what has been the biggest surprise to you? And I mean, again, pandemic aside, just the whole concept, big snow, being part of this from when you started to now. Um, you know, it's 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 been an interesting journey. We we got our lease, I think it's six six years ago now. <laughs> um wow. so for for a long time, you know, it was a concept and we were working on designs and it was designs on paper. Um, and, and then we moved into the construction phase. Um, and, and that was cool to start seeing some things coming to life. And then, and then as that was happening and, and, you know, you could get into the space and you could physically see it and feel it. Um, you know, some of our, some of our ideas 
started to, to shift and change um, things that we thought we were going to be able to do. We weren't able to do some things that we didn't think about presented themselves. So, you know, it's, it's been this really cool ride and it's been super dynamic. And, you know, like I said, we're, we're still just getting our feet underneath us. We, uh, you know, we've, it's been nine months since our grand opening, but we've only operated uh, three and a half out of those nine months. So, um, you know, we, we have a lot to learn, you know, it, it'd be really nice to get one full year under our belt so we can kind of see how the business behaves in a, in a more normal situation. Um, and then we can see where there's opportunities to, to grow and shift and, and move things around, you know, um, seems like there's a lot of opportunity in the space though. Like you got, I mean, the facility is beautiful. Like you could have outbreak things, you could have events, you could have, you know, even like terrain park events, like things like that. It like leads yeah. to like just opening your mind to like, wow, there's a ton of possibilities. Mogul, mogul events, you know? Yeah. We've um, had a lot of great conversations on the event front, um, conversations with race, uh, race programs and, and, uh, you know, offering training opportunities. Um, you know, all, all of those things are of interest to us. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, getting to a, a place where things are a little bit more normal and, and, and we can, we can start making commitments. You know, right now our focus is on keeping everyone safe, uh, being able to continue to operate and uh, give give people the opportunity to get out and slide on snow. Um, anything that we can add to that as we move along will just be uh, just be a bonus, right? Very cool. Um, now I know there was an article about Mall of America looking to try to do something in Miami. Are you guys involved in that? Um, you know, we've, we've had some conversations with triple five. Uh, they, they have announced, uh, American dream Miami, which, um, when they announced it was, was slated for a 2025 opening. Um, so, you know, uh, since, since that announcement, the, the world has changed pretty dramatically and we've all yeah. had our hands full. So, um, you know, I'm sure that date's been pushed a few years back, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't say definitively, um, yeah. that that's their business, not ours, but, um, you know, I, I think, uh, if, if big snow continues to be successful as a business, which it has been so far, uh, we would certainly welcome the opportunity to bring it to other markets. Um, you know, if, if it presents itself, that's very cool. Yeah. I mean, me being in Florida, I see a lot of ice hockey being played and I'm like, why isn't there another indoor ski slope, like big snow around, you know? Yeah. So. Hey, they're the first ones in America, you know, like it's, it's amazing. Hey, I don't, we're American. I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Instant gratification. Uh, you know, one of the largest ski and snowboard shows in the country takes place in Florida every year. Uh, David Glenn's, uh, show and, um, nice. You know, uh, there is a very high population of, of skiers and snowboarders that reside in Florida. Yeah. Um, obviously, they all have to travel to to get access yeah. to snow. So I think, um, you know, I think something like big snow in a, in a warm weather climate, you know, whether it's out in the southwest or in the southeast uh, could potentially do very well. So we'll only only time will tell. Hopefully we get that opportunity. Cool. Well, Mario, you were showing that Tampa ski club that, that you belong to the trip yeah. list. I mean, they're going to what, you know, they're going to some places two, they three times twice, a season. Vail twice. Um, a couple of European trips. I, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, everybody it, it's, it is true. I mean, everybody from out West, like there's a lot of Ohio people, Michigan people like in the Tampa area. And then the other coast gets like 
you know, more New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. So mm-hmm. a lot of those people still want to ski when they move down here. So it's yeah. uh, very Cost cool. Of living is cheaper. No state income tax. A lot of money you can use for ski trips. And Especially your parents are usually out. down here already. So you, so you don't have to take vacation to go see them. You just go on your ski trips. <laughs> very nice. So, but yeah. So now he, what is this system like? Uh, so if you want to go to big snow, yes. um, you guys, what do you have? Is it a reservation system that you have to sign yeah. up for? Yeah. So r- right now we're requiring advanced purchase for, for all of our guests. So, um, we're not selling any tickets on site. So you just go to our website, um, big snow, American Uh, you determine what you need. If you just need a slope access ticket, if you have your own equipment and you're good to go, you can buy a slope access ticket. Um, or if you need rentals, um, or if you're a beginner and you need a lesson, you purchase the snow day package, which is our all inclusive package. Um, we have arrival times every 15 minutes. Uh, currently we're selling 30, 30 slots per arrival time. So you can go online, you can see how many spots are available for each time. Make your reservation. Uh, You get a QR code on your phone. When you show up at our doors, we scan your QR code, validate your ticket, give you your media. It's it's really like contact free uh, check-in. And, um, you know, we've, 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 the the physical space has changed a lot since you guys were there. Um, You know, in in the five months that we were closed, our team worked on, um, you know, really reinventing what the guests experience would be like in the guest pathway. So, you know, lots of plexiglass, lots of dividers. Um, You know, we have a lot of like holding areas where we can keep people in line with social distancing so that we can allow the flow through the rental shop to um, be managed so that we're not creating, creating a bottlenecks or congestion points. Um, So yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's been a lot of thought and effort put into the physical space to make sure that we're keeping people safe. Um, and then, you know, managing the amount of people that we're putting into the process is, is really, um, you know, the, the, the key to, to making sure that we uh, can allow for good distancing when, when people are on site with us. Now for people listening, when you say rentals, you rent everything, right? You rent like coats and, and gloves and things like that. Helmets too, as well as yeah, just the, our, our snow day package. And it's a little misleading because all, all of our products come with two hours of on snow time. So it's not, it's not a full day lift ticket like you would think of in a outdoor resort environment. Um, the snow day package is $69 and it includes, uh, two hours of on snow time, which starts when you first enter the ski dome. Um, your ski pants, your ski jacket, a helmet, a locker, a free lesson if you choose to take advantage of it. Um, so everything you need if you're, you know, if, if you if you flew into New Jersey for the weekend for a wedding and all you have is jeans and a t-shirt and a pair of socks, we can get you out on snow. You might you might have to buy a pair of gloves, but other than that, we can give you everything else you need. That's awesome, man. That's very convenient, especially for people learning. You know, they have everything. They don't have to go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you just rent it. Yeah. And, and that was one of our original, um, goals, right? There, there's so many barriers of entry to the sport, um, cost being among them. So if you, if you never skied or, or snowboarded before, forget about having skis or a snowboard and boots and bindings. You probably don't even have snow pants or a snow jacket, you know, on, right. on, uh, yeah. 
if, if you don't live in a climate where, where it calls for that. So, um, you know, we wanted to make it super easy, give them everything they need to try the sport, introduce them to the lifestyle, hopefully make a connection. And then they want to continue and take, take the next step at a, at a real mountain, you know, an outdoor mountain. Right. Um, you know, and other barriers of entry are, access right so you know for for most people you have to drive an hour or more to get to a, a ski area um you know we have 20 million people within a 30 minute drive radius of the of the center and there's um, even mass transit by you right so you, they can take yeah, mass you, transit to you, get there you can access us from you know train bus new york waterway uh we're we're right at the heart of new jersey turnpike route 3 route 120 it's one of the most highly trafficked intersections in the world um so you know tremendous accessibility in terms of uh physical proximity to being able to get on snow um and then you throw in the fact that we're open 365 days a year knock on wood <laughs> from here on out um and you know it's really un- unprecedented access to skiing and snowboarding now, are you, you guys? Th- th- oh, sorry. Yeah. I gotta get this one in. Have you guys? I know we've talked to um, Annalise from Ski Utah, and I know out in Utah they're considering putting a gondola in from the airport in Salt Lake City up to Alta and Snowbird. Okay. Any yeah, plans? Any ideas? Gondola from Newark. either Newark Airport <laughs> or the Lombardi Rest Area, New York City, right into Big Snow. Well, uh, gondolas don't come, uh, inexpensively. So give, give us a couple of years to, uh, sightseeing. You got, you could charge for sightseeing, you know, you'd think it'd be full 24 seven. Yeah. Right. I, it's not a gondola, but I know, um, you know, as part of American dream, they are going to have a a London style. eye, one of those giant Ferris wheels. Oh, really? uh, Nice. That overlooks the New York city skyline. So, and the swamp. Yes. (laughs) Now, now, are you guys preparing for like when they start having fans back at football again? Because you're right next to Meadowlands Stadium where the Jets and Giants both play. So I can imagine people saying, hey, you know what? Instead of tailgating, let's ski a few hours and then we'll go to the game. You know, we we, uh, we did see a little bit of that in December last year when when the, the league, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, the Giants and the Jets didn't make the the postseason. But uh, la- last couple of regular season games, we were seeing you know uh, an increase in traffic on game days. Um, you know that that comes with its own challenges. You know, obviously uh, navigating um, that area on a game day. If you if you live in the area, you you, you try to avoid that. Uh, stressful. <laughs> stressful. Uh, so you know. So silver linings in in every opportunity um you know we, we are we're pretty pretty pleased this uh fall that there are no uh spectators at the games so we just had our first weekend of games uh this this past weekend and it, it was nice to not have to deal with any traffic uh challenges or parking challenges um so yeah you know the good Good, good and bad. bad, right? You know, yeah, yeah we, we, we welcome the, the extra people, but it's also nice not to have to deal with traffic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And kind of going back to the reservation system, if is there any sort of backup right now? Like uh, like if you wanted to go tomorrow and you went online right now, it, would it be possible to, to get a spot or are you kind of looking a few days out? We, we haven't. Uh, unlike holiday week, we haven't had any days where we were fully sold out from open to close. Um, the, the first sessions each day tend to, tend to sell out. 
So, you know, those first tracks, you want to get out there and get get that snow while it's fresh and be the first to, to lay turns in it. Um, and and then, what time is that? Uh, so midweek right now, we're opening at one o'clock. And then um, Saturday and Sunday, we open at 10. Okay. Um, so the first the first two hours of the day, um, we're, we're seeing really strong visitation. Usually the, the first couple of sessions from like one to one forty five, they, they sell out. Um, and then we're doing really, really well in the evening. So from six to close, um, and we close at either nine or 10, depending on what day it is. Um, we, we've been, you know, seeing really strong, um, visitation with some sellouts in, in those time frames as well. Um, but middle of the day, you know, from like three to six, uh, we usually have pretty good availability. Very cool. Now, are those hours, are they restricted because of, you know, the mall, the zoning? Like, are you limited to those hours or could you do 24-7 if you yeah. had the uh, demand? Um, I, I'm, I'm sure there's some limitations within our lease agreement of, of what we could do. But, you know, the our, our landlord's been pretty good in letting us um, determine our own hours and what makes sense for our business because they um, like money. <laughs> they like money. Yeah. Yeah. They like it when we pay our rent. That's right. Um, One of my yeah, first but, thoughts was like, you know, I used to play ice hockey growing up and, you know, me and my buddies would rent the rink at like, you know, one in the morning for two hours. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, how cool would that be? You get a group of friends together. You get, you all rent it out for, you know, two hours. We yeah, one to three in the morning. Yeah. So, you know, when we first opened our hours were 10 to 10 daily. And that, that was our original plan. Um, reopening post COVID, we, we didn't know what the visitation was going to be like. So we, we looked at what our demand curve was prior to closing and kind of adjusted our hours to match when we were seeing the maximum demand so that we could be, um, efficient with our, with our resources, you know, no, knowing that we were going to be, uh, limited, with how much revenue we could bring in because we're limited on how many people we can have. Um, you know, we need to be smart about where we're spending our labor. Yeah. That makes sense. Steve, anything you came back, yeah, you're gone. Uh, you came back. I'm dying over here. I'm, you know, Hugh, you know, I'm a huge fan of mountain Creek. Um, you know, tell us what's in store for this year, uh, in a COVID environment with mountain Creek. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I can't say too much. We're still kind of working out those plans. And, and obviously the, the big unknown is, you know, what, what is the state going to mandate? Um, so we're making some assumptions based on what we've seen from summer businesses and, and other outdoor businesses so far um, that, that have been able to reopen. Um, so we're imagining that there's going to be some sort of capacity limitation Um we're, we're hoping it's going to be 50%, um, which is what we, what we saw at the outdoor businesses this summer. Um, but we won't know until the, until the governor tells us, um, you know, what's, what, you know, what we have to abide to. Um, we did make a decision, um, about a month ago when we launched our, our season pass sale, uh, that we weren't going to limit our pass holders. So, you know, some of the other resorts and, and some of the big pass, uh, uh, providers have made a decision that they're going to re require reservations for their pass holders if they want to they want to make use of the access they purchased. Um, you know, for us, because our weather is so variable, our pass holders are 
our most important guests, right? You know, they're, they're the ones that have the highest level of commitment to the resort. So we want to make sure that we take care of them first. So uh, we don't plan on, on limiting pass holders in any way this season. Um, and if that means that we can't sell any day tickets, then that that's, that's what it'll be. Um, but we've, we've kind of made a really strong stance that we're going to put our pass holders first. Um, so I, I think other than that, you know, I think, the skiing experience, the snowboarding experience outdoors won't be that different this year. You, you're probably gonna have to wear masks and social distancing and all the stuff that we're used to now. Um, I, I think where we're going to see the biggest impact is on the indoor spaces. So, you know, the apres ski scene is probably going to look a little bit different this year. Cafeterias, um, rental shops, you know, I, I think, you know, for the rental shop, we're, we're looking to, adopt a model similar to big snow where we have time slot bookings where instead of just showing up whenever you want, you have to make a reservation and you're going to arrive at a specific time. This way we can meter the flow into the building and into the rental shop. So I I think you're going to see the biggest changes on the indoor side of the ski experience. Um, I think when it comes to riding chairlifts and um, sliding on snow, not, not, not too much will change. Um, you know, maybe some social distancing on the lifts, you know, you, we're not going to force you to ride with people that you don't know. Uh, These are all want. positives I'm hearing right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if, if what you're interested in is being outside on the mountain, um, you know, you, you might have a really good experience this year. Cause if we have to limit the amount of guests that we can allow, that's just going to make the, the on-hill experience better for those that are there. So Being on yeah. snow, not being near people, those are my two yeah. favorite things. <laughs> so I'm here, win-win. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, as, as long as we have a place outside, we can sell you a beer. It's a perfect... Uh, that's perfect. another win right there. go long on heat lamp companies. Like right. I feel like so many of the resorts are going to be just buying heat lamps, putting them outside, creating some sort of yeah, makeshift scene or... Lunch scene. I, I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think you're going to see a lot of picnic tables and California heaters. And, you know, the reality is, at least at Mountain Creek, the days that we that we see the high volume are days when it is nice and you're going to want to be outside anyway. It's, you know, it's those days where it's sunny and 40 and it just snowed a couple inches the night before. Um, you know, the rainy, cold, miserable days, you know, th- those are the days that only people like us go out. So that's you know. right. Yep. yep. That ended up being almost every Wednesday for the school program last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, two, so two that's comments. a note. Don't go with Steve. All right. So, so two comments. Uh, I totally feel for you because um, I've been responsible for the ski program for the Wayne, Wayne school district. And uh, we too, we don't know. Uh, all the kids are asking us, uh, parents are asking me, you know, are we going to have a ski program this year? Cause you guys just had a sale on your season passes that I think just ended a couple of days ago. We, and- we did. We had a uh, we had a first uh, you know a first release. Uh, we released a thousand passes at the lowest price of the season. So you know we always try and stoke the stoke the market with that. But as you know, we will we'll make sure that the school programs are taken care of. And if, if uh, you know, if they were waiting to make their purchase because they didn't know whether to buy through the school or buy through the public sale, um, you know, we, we'll make sure you guys are taken care of. Well, that's great. And that's, it's funny. That's the calls that I got from some, uh, some fathers and some others. 
And uh, for us, uh, it's all about the buses and, and can they can the kids go on the buses and yeah. what's the level of comfort there? Um, so we'll see. You know, hopefully we'll have an answer soon. We'll reach out to you. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of assuming that that is going to be a tough one this year. I, I don't, you know, with, with schools, uh, you know, so many schools in New Jersey not even have any kids in the building. Uh, the idea of putting him on a bus and bringing him to a ski area, you know, maybe this year it has to take a take a year off. But, um, you know, we've been surveying a lot of our our school group programs, and um, you know, at the very least, we'll we'll provide an opportunity for your your students to get a pass and to be able to get on snow if they if they can get themselves to the mountain. So, I think. What about will. double decker buses? <laughs> yeah, Con- the open convert- air the convertible. Open air. Double decker buses. There you go. You're getting full capacity that way. (laughs) Full capacity of one standard bus. And you keep the top open. Kids got to wear their stuff and their masks. They'll be fine. Yeah, I do. I I feel for the kids that, you know, I have, I have a seven year old son. Um, you know, his school is full remote and, uh, it's, it's hard, you know, and and I feel for the kids who are missing out on, you know, all, all of those, all those milestone things that, that we've all experienced, you know, sports and graduations and, you know, it's, uh, after, after school ski trips, right? Like, um, yeah. you know, we're, 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 we're going through some, some weird and, and, uh, unprecedented times for sure. Yeah. They all definitely the stuff we the took contact. for granted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Bodie's 13, he's back at school and he loves it. He's like, he was waiting to get out and I was waiting to get rid of him too. I was like, just go outside or something, dude. But <laughs> Yeah, he loves it. He's back, you know, going to school. They wear a mask all day and they, yeah, you know, it's uh, the new the new normal. Yeah, new normal. Ho- hopefully it gets back to the old normal or at least at least a little closer to it some, some, yeah. sometime soon. We'll find a way. Yeah. I think you're going to have very busy Wednesdays because the, <laughs> the whole state is uh, home. Oh, because of the, the cohorts, the way that yeah. they're doing that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I also uh, heard that um, a lot of schools are doing an extended holiday break to allow for quarantining. So if you if you travel out of this, you know, right now in New Jersey, if you live in 35 uh, other states uh, or you visit any one of 35 other states, when you come back, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So hmm. uh, I, I've heard a lot of the colleges and, and some of the the elementary and high schools are, are b- going to build in a extended holiday break period, which, you know, for, for ski business could be, could be great. Yeah. Where else would you want to quarantine? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I, if you're supposed to quarantine quarantine, but you know, if, if you didn't travel out of state and you're home for extra time during the holiday break, come, come spend it on snow. Exactly. If you out of state, don't go to mountain Creek or yes. big snow. Yes. Well, if you're Brian, I keep quarantining, please, please follow the rules. Please <laughs> do what you're, you can have a quarantine day. Like everyone who's like not quarantining or should be quarantining, have them all there together one day. Yeah. Well, yeah. Brian and I keep talking about yurt village. It's a, a dream that we have like being out on a mountain somewhere. You have a bunch of yurts. People stay in the yurts. They're quarantining while they're skiing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, you know, we, we, we heard some stories about that. Uh, people just, when they had to quarantine, they just grabbed their tent and went off in the woods somewhere. It's probably a pretty good way to pass the time. Yeah. Be That's back in two weeks. It. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> go, go hike the Appalachian trail by yourself or, you know, whatever. There you yeah. go. 
That's cool. So, so Hugh, um, we start wrapping this up. What, what do you see as the the future of indoor skiing? Like, do you see this as kind of like a first example of what is possible, and then these just popping up, almost like when you you see something built now, like a mall built now, it's always got a movie theater. Now a lot of them are having amusement parks. Could you see a future where all malls being built or upgraded are going to have ski resorts inside? I don't know if every mall, I, I can definitely see more facilities like ours coming online in, in the next, you know, f- five to 10 years for sure. Um, you know, they're, they're not inexpensive endeavors. You know, I, I, we, we weren't involved in the original construction of the, of the dome, as we talked about, that was part of the Xanadu project and we kind of inherited it. But, you know, the number I've always heard is somewhere around a hundred million to, to build the actual cold space. So, you know, you, you have to have a long, you know, a long view on return on investment for something like that. Um, but I, I do think we're seeing with shopping that, retail entertainment is definitely the the trend um you know and the anchor the anchor properties for shopping centers are no longer going to be the macy's and the sears and the jc pennies they're going to be ski ski slopes and amusement parks and water parks and (coughs) excuse me other other attractions that that draw people um, to the center for reasons other than just shopping, you know, more, more experiential based, um, retail, I think is, is definitely the trend. So how long, how long do we get, we get a Whistler black, black home, home indoor, indoor, like a, like a Whistler branded indoor. No, I'm talking I'm like, like 4,000 4, feet of vertical. <laughs> <laughs> Inside. I don't know the new one in Oslo. I, I want to get over there and see it. Um, or at least get a floor plan on it from all the, the video um, content I've seen through social media, it looks, looks like they have a pretty expansive layout over there. Um, you know, there, there's, there's some sizable um, indoor centers around the world. So um, a lot of those indoor of centers, indoor centers. You know, they do a lot of cross country um, type skiing as well. Is it mixed? The, the one in Oslo does, they have a, they have a suspended cross country track that hangs from the ceiling. Wow. Like suspended. an oval. Yeah. Um, like when you used to go to the health spas and they'd have the running track, you know, kind of up hanging around the second floor. <laughs> That's pretty neat. Um, you know, I, 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 I think most of them are at least the ones I've been to and I've seen are more focused on Alpine skiing. Um, but yeah, you know, I think any, anything's possible. You know, if, if there's one thing uh, that history has shown, if, if you build something and you claim it's the biggest and the best and the greatest, somebody will eventually build something bigger and try and probably take in Dubai. Probably, probably in Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Hugh. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Uh, where can everyone get all the info about Big Snow? Yeah. So, uh, information on big snow, you can find that at big snow, and, uh, information on mountain Creek, you can find it at mountaincreek.com. Beautiful. Well, congratulations on reopening. We're so happy you guys are open. We're gonna have to make it up there soon. And thanks for your time. Uh, I appreciate it. And thanks for making it easy guys. It was great talking with you. Thanks Our pleasure. Best of luck. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, take care. All right. You too. Thanks. Okay. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want more info, check out BigSnowAmericanDream.com or check out our site at SkiBumPodcast.com. Under the ropes. Bye.
scenario. We got one story. There's Hit only one story. That's it. We only need one story. This, this one kind of... All right, so this is from the AP. This is out of something that happened in Russia. In Arctic Russia, there's a perfectly preserved Ice Age cave bear that was found. They say the amazing thing about this, and they have pictures of it. It's pretty nasty looking. But I guess one of the interesting things about it is they have soft tissue tissue that was still intact. They said the teeth and nose were intact, which I guess the noses usually erode away and they, they never know what the noses look like. So this was like almost all intact. It looks like a freaking dire wolf. It does look this bear, if it evolved to be more thicker, you know, like you, you think of like bigger grizzly bears, the way they're, they're kind of just very dense. Yeah. This yeah. thing looks more, more wolf-like. Yeah. And again, it's Maybe also it's a like a 15,000 year old corpse. So, you know, yeah. how good are we going to look in 14,970 years? Man. Right. So they're saying as permafrost melts across vast areas of Siberia, um, this was discovered on the Lyakovsky Islands with its te- with everything intact. They said they became extinct about 15,000 years ago. And I guess they, they said they found something near it, and then they made this find. I think they were digging in a field, or a bear carcass was found by reindeer herders. So I guess with the permafrost and, and stuff melting, it was like uncovered. So these reindeer herders, which I guess they herd reindeer for... I'm sure they eat for eat Santa, obviously. Get the pelts and for Santa, whatever. <laughs> they go to the combine in October, and then who's ever the best gets to go ride with Santa, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, of course. Uh-oh. So they found this cave bear where they were, and they said at the same time, a well preserved carcass of a cave bear cub was also found in another area in. Yakutia's mainland. They're saying they want to study these, maybe get the DNA and probably make these as part of the Russian army. (laughs) Now, if you had a time machine, would one of the things you do is go back in time and take weird animals and then chuck them in the future? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like animal corpses, corpses of back in the day and throw them in just all over the place. Fucking saber-toothed tiger in New York City. That'd be great. Yeah, right. Like put it in Central Park, like yeah, in the right. water. Or in the subway. Like it'll live in the subway. <laughs> subway. And just fuck people up. But like, I ain't using the subway, man. Why not? Saber tooth. Taking the J train, there's a saber toothed tiger in there. Like, forget about it. What the fuck? I'm gonna walk. I'm out of here. I'm never going to that goddamn subway again. Think about if you did have a time machine, but you had a very like very strict things you could do with the time machine. And that was one of the only things you could do was just bring back different animals from the past. Well, that that's just it. Then you'd have to start catching like endangered, like extinct animals and bring them. And then it would mess everything up. Like, but you just go all over time. It would be almost like, like Dr. Doolittle meets Dr. Who. Uh, meets meets like Dr. Dr. Who. It's like <laughs> Dr. Who little. <laughs> Talk to Hula. Oh, you would mess everything up. Can you imagine there's like no food because you introduced some insects from some time and now. Yeah. Like, stop just... at the Revolutionary War and drop a woolly mammoth in there. Be like, what the hell? 
They're riding mammoths. They come from Vermont. They still have them here. Who knew? Who knew? Herds Ethan of Allen mammoth. and the Green Mountain Boys are riding woolly mammoths That's against great. the British. Teddy Roosevelt and his pack of uh, saber tooth tigers. Yeah. The tiger riders. <laughs> tiger riders. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get these crazy bastards that would pay like $8 billion to go hunt a saber tooth tiger or a woolly mammoth. See, that's how you could get rich. You could go, like, go to Ted Nugent and be like, Ted, what kind of animals do you want to hunt? Because yeah, right? I got a guy me, <laughs> who's got a time machine who can get you whatever animals you want to shoot. That's right. And you know, it'd be something stupid like what's the uh, the vegetable eating like docile animals? They'd be like, yeah, I want to shoot that. Like, why? <laughs> like Something like, kind of big and majestic. Kind of the most docile. Like, why would you do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. If you could hunt one animal from history, what would it be? From history. I'm I'm stuck on saber tooth tiger. See, I'm thinking like a brachiosaurus. You want to take something big down. You need a big gun for that. <laughs> what kind of gun would you take a brachiosaurus down with? Oh, you're talking like a, a like rocket a launch and no rocket launchers. Rocket Handheld. Launcher. Boom. Blow that thing up. It's like the, the Chappelle show where he's rich. He's got the dinosaur eggs. <laughs> That's right. He's eating the dinosaur. He's That's like, right. ah, cracking the egg and making an omelet with it. <laughs> got this dinosaur egg. Oh my God. It's like a omelet. T-Rex egg. It's hatching, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, T-Rex. That'd be good. T-Rex. T-Rex seems too obvious, though. Yeah, but the the good part of that is it might kill everybody in the party that's hunting them. You can't hunt one at a time. You got to kind of go in a group, probably. Well, like it's eating somebody. You go with ten people. One of those people getting taken out by the T Rex. Yeah, but now how big is your time machine? That's the problem. Like how how do you get an animal that big and majestic back through your time machine? Imagine like you want a baby egg and then grow them grow them here. Boom. Problem solved, bitches. <laughs> Little baby ones. It's like Jurassic Park meets Back to the Future. <laughs> Time Cop times Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic Safari. They got to clean up the island somehow, right? Most dangerous game times Jurassic Park. That's right. Times Back to the Future. Yeah, what would you do? You'd have to hunt the animals out. Like Jurassic Park, they all got out. Like, what are you going to do? Have you watched like the most recent Jurassic Parks? No. I watched, well, I watched one. I think they're making one more. There was the original, like Chris Pratt, where they reopened the park. Yeah. I think I saw that one and the one after. That one was good. The one after I liked because they just said, you know what? We're jumping the shark. We're bringing the dinosaurs to like Los Angeles and they're going to eat all these big fat people going to Costco. And this oh, is, I didn't see that one. Okay. That I got to yeah. see. That's that was awesome. pretty good. They have all these like douchebag, the rich people like, you know, uh, at an auction, buying dinosaurs and dinosaur eggs, and like it seems like some some pretty like Bilderbergy stuff that you think might be happening. Yeah, it probably it probably does happen. They have like dinosaur fights that you don't know about, like chicken fights. How cool would that be? Like maybe maybe that's why the people who are so rich, like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, maybe they do have a time machine, and they're maybe. just keeping it for their goddamn selfish selves. That's how you stay rich. They could, you know, evolve humanity to the next level. No, nah, they don't make any money no, that way. They just want to get richer. That's right. It's like that cure for cancer on CNN. It's like the creep. It's like the cure for cancer. They keep it in a lock safe and don't share it with anybody. 
Yeah. There's more money in prolonging the problem. There is of course. finding a solution, right? Billions are making on it. Billions. Billions. But you know what? I believe in us. I believe in the common man, humanity, the internet, the knowledge we're all getting, we're sharing. It's a beautiful thing. I think we're, we're kind of opening our eyes to the bullshit that's been kind of... It's like we had glasses on that were smudged in bullshit. And now we're getting these little fingertip windshield wipers for our glasses and kind of scraping it off, being able to see clearly, finally. Well, you would hope. But while we could do really good things with what we have... At least 37 of us are thinking yeah. that way. And then there's the other side where they're like, I could just order Domino's, play like eight hours of Xbox and do some shit on some, you know, social media stuff. And that's some people's lives. A lot of people's lives. I will tell you, if you curate your feeds with people who are smarter than you and better connected than you, who are better thinkers than you, it's amazing what you can learn. Like the amount of amazing free content that really brilliant people are putting out there is unlike anything. It it, it is better than any textbook you would have gotten in any college 20 years ago. Oh yeah. Like it's incredible. The amount of great thinkers that are putting out great information now just for free on, on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Everybody's sharing. Not TikTok, obviously. TikTok. That's what I call it. TikTok. But I don't know. What the hell? I just want to ski. I'm looking forward to snow. It's going to drop into the 40s tonight for the first time. Nice. It was a cool Friday. And it was like the first cold-ish fall Friday night. And I will tell you, I missed, even though it is happening, it's not tonight. I, I missed like the high school football game by us like i i live so close to the the high school by us that i can hear the the pa oh, yeah. and the music and stuff you gotta go down and watch it's kind of fun and they're actually happening at this season this year like I, I i was back in august i was like oh my god are they gonna have a season and i looked it up they did like a weird uh i mean they had summer practices and they had like a quarantine week or a, a dead period from the end of august to september 14th and they're restarting everything after the 14th so oh, i was nice. looking they got home game like next friday it's it's just nice. Like when you get this kind of weather, like that's what you want to do. You want to pick some apples, have something pumpkin flavored, and watch football and get ready for ski season. Yeah. That's what you do. That's it. That's all you do. Speaking of pumpkin, look at this pumpkin colored shirt. You too could be wearing if you were awesome. Yes, this will be on be the site next week. I have nice. the shirts. I have a box full of shirts behind me somewhere in the massive on the couch to the couch? storage area back there if this couch could talk <laughs> you would not want to hear what this couch would say Oof. this couch has been at three different houses that me and andrea have lived in oh wow it's carting that around yeah it's been down a lot of steps you can have the new baby on that couch a lot of <laughs> god no oh my god <laughs> I would never hear the end of that shit. No, it's in the, <laughs> we got a kiddie pool outside. We're doing the kiddie pool birth. You going to do the kiddie pool birth outside? I'm going to fill it with treehouse beer and do a kiddie pool birth. Dude, my sister wanted to do that. 
Yeah, uh, they all say they want to do that. And those pains start kicking in. They're like, just shoot me up with something. Well, no, she was going to do it. But then uh, my brother-in-law was deployed. So he was in Iraq. So the baby's gone. So she goes into labor and she's like, I can't make it to the... She was like too far into labor. They're like, yeah, you, you're not going to make it. Just have a regular. So <laughs> she went to the hospital and that was it. Like, I just got this hot tub. No doula, nothing. No medulla oblongata. She was going to go to a place where they had like a whole big tub and all. And like, yeah, that's still nasty, but she wanted to do it. <laughs> Sounded good, but. All these things sound wonderful in theory. Yeah. Just like a, life, lot of, a lot of our brilliant ideas that we have, right? Oh, we got some great ones. I'm going to make a collage of our great ideas. I'm telling you. Papers. I'm telling you, we're dropping some billion dollar ideas here every goddamn week. Oh, and I gave I gave some away today. I was like, I I talked about Yurt Village. I got to keep that right? under wraps until we can make it happen. Right, Yurt Village. So thank you, Hugh, so much for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Ski season is rapidly approaching. Yes, we will defeat COVID. COVID nineteen skis and jeans. We all know that. Thank you for listening. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. New swag on the site, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. We are on your favorite social media apps, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Ski Bum Podcast. Our favorite, Untapped, Ski Bum Podcast, and Ski Bum Podcast. Brian, send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Go to your favorite podcasting apps, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, subscribe, rate us. We'd appreciate that. Thank you to all of the people donating money through PayPal. You can do that at the website also, skibumpodcast.com slash support. I think that's out. everything. If you want free stickers? Hit us up. Thank yeah. you again for listening. We do appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. I don't know. Things are we'll very We'll be available down. if you want to DM us. If you want to send out something to us, we'll be around. We'll answer. Things are touch and go right now. We'll be back soon, though. We'll have something posted next week. Don't you worry. Thank you again for listening. We love you guys. Stay high, stay fluting. See ya.